Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Upon Further Review. I'm Barry Horn. We have with us our Kevin Sherrington. I'm not going to even let you talk. And uh, on the line, we Why have. Why is it different from any other week? And, and, we, and we have on the line our most popular guest ever, back for an encore, David Moore, beat writer, Dallas Morning News, Dallas Cowboys. David, what's new? There is no place I'd rather be. And you know how sincere I am when I say that. <laughs> yes, yeah, Mr. Right. Sincerity. Uh, David, uh, we're, <laughs> I don't know where to start. This, this has just been a train wreck the last month and a half. Uh, what, what do you see? Can the Cowboys beat Tampa Bay this week? Can they? Well, I guess they can. Uh, but but I, am, I am amused by people who suggest that, well, look, you know, Tampa Bay's not that good. Miami's not that good. Dallas can win both of these games. And then you start to look at the season differently. I'd like to point out that Tampa Bay and Miami have both won more games than Dallas has. So I'm not sure where this optimism is coming from that, oh, well, now now they're going to start winning games. Don't you think that Tampa Bay and Miami are looking at the Cowboys and, and saying that? They're fans? Oh, look, there's no, the Cowboys. No That's question. an automatic win. Yeah. No question. I mean, there are, only, there are only six teams in the league that have won fewer, that have won two games or less. And Miami and Tampa Bay aren't them. They've won three games. So they're looking down on the Cowboys saying, we have these guys at home. If we don't win these games, you know, our season's really going to go south. So I just don't think it's as simple as saying, you know, this team, I I do think the Cowboys have played well and they've remained competitive. But at what point do you hit the wall where you don't see any benefit from your efforts and then – then the cracks start, and then you're not that competitive. And I just think the Cowboys are, are really right at that point. All right, here's the question. Cowboys go to Tampa Bay and don't win. Lose. Well, that's the opposite of yeah. winning. Yeah, what, right. what is you. What is the rush to bring Tony Romo back after that? Well, there's not a rush other than the fact that if a guy is physically um, and medically cleared to return, uh, this is his profession, he wants to play, he comes back. So I think that's what you'll see. And from what my understanding is, Medically, everything is on track, and he's moving well. He's throwing the ball well. He wants to come back. Um, you know, if a, a professional athlete wants to come back and is physically capable of doing it, and there are seven games left in the season, you do it. Now, are they going to win the playoffs if they lose Tampa Bay? I, I don't. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But mathematically, you're not eliminated. I would argue realistically you are, but mathematically you aren't. So if you still have a mathematical chance and the leader of your offense is able to play, you play him. Absolutely. So let's let's take one look back here at, at, at last week with, with Greg Hardy's performance in that game, which he had the only sack in the game. Uh, but you had two Eagles offensive linemen uh, sounding off about Greg Hardy, and one of them, the left tackle, saying that uh, that Greg Hardy basically shut it down in that game when it was and it looked like they were not going to win. Did you, have you heard any reaction from either Greg Hardy or his teammates or the Cowboys coaching staff to give you any indication that might be true? Not at this point, but I believe this is the new normal for Greg Hardy going forward. Um, you know, his, his case worked its way through the legal system. It worked its way through NFL jurisprudence and played out in both of those courts. The only court left is the court of public opinion. And I think those the, the images – of those photos are going to resonate for a while. And I think you're going to hear from opposing players, especially uh, when the Cowboys are losing, uh, that Greg Hardy didn't do this or he's not all that. I I think he's 
this is going to be a, a, an interesting area for him that I don't think he's dealt with before from a public perception standpoint. What about Sean Lee? Uh, how much how much more can his body take? Well, this is his second concussion in five games. It is highly unlikely he plays this week. When you have two concussions in this short of a period, the concussion protocol is, is ramped up, and you have to do even more before they let you out there. So I, I would be very surprised if he doesn't play this weekend. Uh, he, he loves football. To, to borrow a Cowboys phrase that I often believe is misplaced, he is passionate about football. Uh, he, he wants to be out there. This is a big part of who he is. He feels a sense of obligation to his teammates to be out there. Uh, he's going to continue to, to fight through all of this and, until he just can't fight anymore from a physical standpoint. I think that was a huge loss in that game because he had an unbelievable uh, first game against the, the Eagles. And to, to lose him at that point in the game, uh, I, I, you know, of course, players are going down left and right as, as a Rolando McLean mowed through the Cowboys. <laughs> uh, so you, you, you had a, a, a lot of injuries in that game that hurt, and, and they certainly looked gassed at the end of the game, uh, which is not what happened in that first game against the Eagles either. What did, you, what did you feel like was the biggest difference defensively for the Cowboys from uh, game number one against the Eagles and game number two? Well, I think you pinpointed it, and you look, they had one touchdown in, in the first half. Uh, it, on the play where they just ran on them and, and gassed them, and Dallas actually had to call a timeout just to give their defense uh, a chance to rest and regroup before Philadelphia scored a play or two later. But look at what happened when, when Sean Lee went out. Uh, it was either the next play or two plays later, they drop a 44-yard pass to DeMarco Murray right over the linebacker, who at that point was Anthony Hitchens. Now that would have been Sean Lee on DeMarco Murray uh, on that point. And then Jason Garrett was talking about, you know, what happened to this defense in the second half, and he said they just didn't get lined up right. They were, they were kind of back on their heels. The pace got to them a little bit. And the reason that Philadelphia was able to gash them on the ground is because they weren't lined up in the, exactly the right spots. Well, who calls the defenses and gets them aligned in the right spots? That's Sean Lee. He goes out. Anthony Hitchens comes in and has that responsibility then, as you adroitly pointed out, Orlando McLean takes him out as well. So now, who's calling the defense? Is it Rolando McLean? Is it Andrew Gashkar? Uh, so I think they were just slightly off in their run fits, and, and you really saw that as, as the game wore on. And I think Sean Lee's loss was significant to that. Now, during the game, Chris Collinsworth made a, what I thought was a stunning comment about a, a member of the Cowboys secondary when he said that Byron Jones was a quote star um now i do think that, that byron jones looks really good and uh, and of course if we take away the the fact that that was his man who caught the uh, the game-winning touchdown pass in the game he said that before his man caught the he did game. say that the star bit do, do you get the I, I know what we have gotten the idea from the cowboys coaching staff that byron's you know really done a great job especially when you consider the fact that he's been working at, at corner he's been working at safety he's been working all over the place do you get the idea that the Cowboys think that this guy is going to be a star? Yeah, I, the key is not a star at the moment, a, a star in the making. Yes. They do believe that. And I, I believe uh, Chris Collinsworth's comments were kind of piggybacked off of what Rod Marinelli said a few days earlier. And Rod Marinelli has been in this league a long time, has coached some outstanding defenses, especially the, that Tampa defense that, that won the Super Bowl. Uh, he said that, that Byron Jones is as good – of a of a rookie in the secondary as he has ever coached. 
Yeah, David, here's how it works. I'm going to give you a little education. Collinsworth, oh, and now I'm really you. trying to educate Kevin here. Collinsworth and Al Michaels come in, and they talk to all the coaches, and they say, who do you really like out here? And obviously Marinelli or Jason Garrett, they both said, hey, watch Byron Jones. He's, he's, he's a star in the making. That's where Chris Collinsworth got it. He watched them make a few good plays, and out it came. That's how that happened. So, yes, the, he is parroting what the Cowboys Wow, well, well, thanks very much for that, Barry. I feel so much more enlightened. Kevin, yeah. isn't it good to be educated? That's why yeah, I love is. coming on this podcast. Because I learn something from Barry every time I come you on know, this podcast. And that's how it comes across in his stories, don't you think? That, that, <laughs> that tone comes across. Let me tell you idiot readers a, a little bit about something here. Oh, and okay? I'm just a visitor. You, you get his knowledge every week. You get to learn at the feet of Barry Horn every week. Let me tell you how this It's works. a blessing, let yeah. me tell you. <laughs> Well, I, I'm trying to come up with something because if you watch that, there was a play, and, I, and I'm trying to remember when Ryan Matthews went off around the left end, and you see J.J. Wilcox coming up on the edge, and he takes the inside, and there's no one left on the outside, and Matthews goes around him, and it was a huge gain and a, and a really crucial part of the game. And, and to me, that's what that's the kind of safety play that basically the Cowboys have gotten. And, and it seems to me that Byron Jones, as, as well as he's played at both positions, his future is really at safety for the Cowboys, and they desperately need that kind of play. Well, and that's why you, you've seen him start over Wilcox his last couple of games, and he's getting – I mean, he didn't come off the field two games ago. I, I think he may have come off the field one or two plays in this last game. But you know, that was the – this was a guy that was so versatile. They weren't really sure when he came in whether he was a corner or a safety. They felt he had the skill set for both. And you, he really hadn't had that much experience at safety. So they were a little uncomfortable saying, okay, let's just put him there. Uh, he has the skill set. If he can handle it, let's work him in. The question with him was, would he be physical enough? Yeah. They knew he was athletic and he had the skill set and all that, but would he be physical enough at the safety position at the NFL level? And would he hit the way you need to hit at that position in order to, to stick and excel there? And as, this, as training camp went along and as this season has gone along, they've become very comfortable that – Yes, he can. So I, I think the feeling on him was always he can be a, a very good corner in this league, maybe an above-average corner, but if he has the skill set and is physical enough to play safety, that is his optimum position. That is where his ceiling is the highest. And I think they've seen enough where they feel very comfortable about putting him at safety going forward. Now let's talk about another rookie who uh, started out great, uh, got injured. He's disappeared. And, and now has completely disappeared, Randy Gregory. What, what, what's the story on him? Well, you, you're exactly right. He played 19 snaps in that opener and had three quarterback hurries in 19 snaps, something that took the rest of the defensive line, I think, four weeks before anyone was able to pass him as far as quarterback hurries, which tells you a little bit about the state of the pass rush before Greg Hardy came back. Um, he's, he's come back in, and he's only played – a you know, eight to ten snaps in these games. And I was very surprised this last game because I thought uh, from from all indications were that he was going to get more snaps in that game. They were going to work him in more. Uh, it just hasn't worked out with the rotation. You know, I, I think ideally they were wanting to, to rotate Hardy more inside over the left end sometimes, sometimes with that three technique inside. And they're doing that but they just haven't gotten enough snaps, and he hasn't gotten an extended look in there. And they were running so much in the Philadelphia game. They want to put him in in pass situations. But when they were gashing him on the ground, they just weren't able to get him in the game. So I think a lot of it was Philadelphia uh, having success on the ground limited some of his snaps. 
With that being said, he didn't do much when he was in there. I, I believe I noticed him on one time getting into the backfield and, and forcing Bradford to move out of the pocket a little bit, and that was really it. Mo- moving on to another young defensive end, what about Tank Lawrence? That's based on how he finished last season. When you saw the two sacks in the postseason, uh, when you saw that he came back physically, he added bulk, uh, muscle. He, he looked a part of a left defensive end, which is where they moved him this year. And, you know, he was at right defensive end last year only because they didn't really have a, a right defensive end. Uh, they always felt uh, that he, he's a good pass rusher but doesn't have the burst to really play right defensive end, which uh, they believe Randy Gregory has. So they move him to the left side, expect big things, and you haven't really seen it. He's, uh, I think he's been serviceable. He's been okay. But rarely in games do you notice him much. And he's not getting to the quarterback, and he's really not stuffing the run. So if you're not doing either one of those, uh, I would say you're underperforming. You know, I, you saw early in the season, Randy Gregory even made some comment about, about Lawrence and said that he just needs to turn it loose. Uh, and, and you wonder sometimes if it's just a, if it's a mental thing with him. Yeah, it's uh, again. I think they're a little they're a little baffled. They they expected him to have more of a production at this standpoint, and but but I wouldn't just say it's him in the defensive line. I'll say it's Tyrone Crawford as well. Yeah, he's um, not played well either. You know, you're on the interior and you sign him to a long term contract. In fact, you pay him more than you ever offered to Marco Murray to keep him on the roster, and then he he's getting very little minimal push inside. So if you're not getting push inside from that three technique, it's easier to go, okay, let's let's worry about these outside guys and Hardy and Lawrence because inside they're not pushing the pocket. So we can we can contain this and and you've seen that. So someone's going to have to play off somebody in that defensive line. Uh, someone's going to you know this, this past week, Tyron Crawford was saying, uh, and the question was, well, you know, Hardy is certainly getting some double teams. Wouldn't that free you up with more one-on-one opportunities? And he. He basically said, no, have you not watched the games? I'm getting double teamed every time. Well, when you have success, that's what's going to happen, and that's the next part of being a productive player in this league. And if you can't handle that, uh, then you're not going to sustain what he showed last year, and to this stage he is not. One of the interesting things about this is that I think I think in the last six weeks the only uh, turnover generated was by uh, Hardy, uh, the interception yeah. that he had yeah. uh, of Russell Wilson. Uh, and, and if you look at the secondary, but the, the interesting thing to me is, is that Mo Claiborne is playing better than he ever has in his professional career. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's healthy. Uh, but he, he is playing pretty well, it seems like to me. And, and, uh, and I would say that Brandon Carr is not playing poorly uh, either. And yet, you're not seeing any picks from these guys. What is the what is the you know obviously that that you have to have turnovers, and obviously Jason Garrett has preached that, and Rod Marinelli has preached that. But what do they feel like is the is the performance level of the secondary at this point? Well, you know, you've had four turnovers this year, only four turnovers, and three of them came in that first game against Philadelphia. So you, you take that game out of the equation, and Philadelphia has turned the ball over just about more than anybody. And then you come back in this game and they don't turn it over at all. When when you're at full defensive health, really, for the one of the few times all season is, is disturbing. You know, I, I think a lot of it is, uh, you, you asked about the secondary, but I think the assumption was this defensive line was better and you were going to get more pressure and it was going to lead to more opportunities for the secondary uh, to, to, to get some turnovers. That hasn't happened. I don't think the pressure has been consistent up front. Uh, I, I will say in this stretch you've had – 
in the six-game losing streak, you've had three turnovers that have been overturned upon review or by penalty. Uh, so you had Byron Jones, the ball bounced off his foot on review. They said it bounced off the turf. I believe uh, what Barry Church had an interception and it was overturned because Brandon Carr had a penalty. I believe that's right. And uh, then there was another one. Well, there, there was a fumble. Uh, the, the fumble in that game uh, was reversed, and, and the call was correct uh, in the Philadelphia game in overtime. So Rob Marinelli says he actually keeps the missed opportunities. He, he feels there have, before the Philadelphia game, there were 12 opportunities for turnovers uh, that this team had had in the losing streak, and they had come away with none of them. So, you know, I, I've always argued there there aren't a lot of playmakers on this on the defensive side of the ball, and and I think the best one is Sean Lee. And you haven't seen him get any interceptions, and it's not unusual for him to lead the team in interceptions. Go back to last year, Bruce Carter, a linebacker, led the team in interceptions. I think the secondary has been sound, but they're not, they don't take a lot of chances. They don't gamble. So you don't see those pick sixes on outside routes. You see them break it up or, or you see them make the tackle immediately. So I would say it's a solid secondary, but not one that, that produces a lot of turnovers or big plays. Now, if Sean Lee does not play this week, how do, how do the Cowboys compensate for that? Well, then it's going to come down to Hitchens. And Hitchens has a high ankle sprain and he's out for a week or two. Uh, I think you're going to see what they were forced to do uh, at the end of the Philadelphia game with Rolando McLean in there, who it appears to me is overweight and has not nearly had the impact he had last season. And uh, Andrew Gaspar, uh, I think those guys are going to get the majority of it. You know, you saw a lot, too. They, they, you can kind of play like a hybrid. You can bring Barry Church down in there, and, and, uh, and, and that's something else with Byron Jones' flexibility. You can actually have Barry Church, in essence, play a, a linebacker spot and have Byron Jones and J.J. Wilcox as your safeties. And you actually saw that even early in the Philadelphia game. In fact, uh, the first two or three possessions, uh, Barry Church was up on the line basically every snap. So I would think they would uh, work that into the mix, kind of Barry Church as a hybrid linebacker as well to, to cover for the loss of Sean Lee. But but again, the, mo- the, most, the essential thing there is Who's going to make all the defensive calls and, and get them lined up properly? You know, Rolando McLean did it last year. Uh, does does he fill that role again? Do they move him over to the middle and, and put Gashkar uh, at the weak side? So let's go back over to the offensive side. Talk about Matt Castle, who's been uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde uh, all season. You know, he goes to, the, to New York. He's throwing the ball all over the place. Throws a pick six. You know, which is, ends up being the deciding factor. Plays here against Seattle, pulls his horns in, won't go downfield, very conservative, very Brandon Whedon-like. And then this week he has his best game, except for, of course, the pick Pick six. six. So to me the moral of this obviously is don't throw any more out routes, right? (laughs) Exactly. I think that's exactly what you've hit on there with that. And, again, I go back to, uh, you know what, if if you're going to have a quarterback start four games for you, and this will be his fourth start coming up against Tampa Bay, if you're going to rely on a quarterback to start four games for you at a crucial stretch of the season, you want to have him on your roster and in your building before the end of September. And, and to me, this goes back to their miscalculation of going into the season with Brandon Wheat and the fact they cut bait on him so quickly and moved over to Matt Castle. Uh, Wheaton had two years in the system, uh, was, was working on his second year. Uh, he had been here day in and day out. 
to turn it over and move on from him to give it to a guy who had only had probably four practices with the team before he became the starter and started working with the starters. Uh, I think it put Matt Castle and this team in a very difficult position. And I've gotten the sense you've seen Matt Castle working through and learning the offense on the run, which normally you would do in the offseason in training camp. Uh, I think I think he played a pretty good game against Philadelphia, and I think you saw more of what he can do as a quarterback in that game. So I, I think from that standpoint, they're in better shape. So- but it took four games to get there, and now, you know, Romo's going to come back after that. So, you know, look at what you squandered in, in getting up to speed. And I'd argue the same thing happened earlier with Joseph Randall. I mean, Darren McFadden comes in here now and, and, and clearly has, has nailed down this position. Um, you know, if, why wasn't he the starter when, uh, when Romo went down and, and you knew you had to run the ball more and you weren't getting what you were doing? It's, they just seem to be working through and finding things during this losing streak that are they're contributing to the losing streak because they don't know what they have. So are you, would you be comfortable with Castle coming back in the number two next year? Very, yeah. From what I've seen, um, because again, I think you've seen he can make, he's going to make some mistakes, and obviously the pick six was really bad. Uh, but, you know, in that game, he gave them a chance to win that game. And, and what, what impressed me most was, okay, after that pick six, they come back and score on the next possession to tie it. Philadelphia goes down and gets a field goal. He comes back and leads them on a field goal drive. Philadelphia gets another field goal. He comes back again and leads him on a field goal to tie the game right at the end of regulation. So he's able to make plays and battle back from difficult situations. Uh, it didn't work out because they never got to touch the ball in overtime. And for the second consecutive time this season, Dallas goes to overtime and the offense never touches the ball. So I, I guess there is one thing to be said for defensive improvement because I think it took New Orleans only two plays to score in overtime. I think it took Philadelphia seven or eight. There you go. There you go. That's the bright side. One one quick thing before we go here, because I think this is an important point to make, and you you brought that up about Darren McFadden. Uh, You know, everybody's saying, well, you you just didn't see this coming from Darren McFadden. You know, how how could anybody believe he would be able to do this? You you didn't see it because he didn't get the opportunity. As we all know, running backs are rhythm runners, you know. Uh, They don't just come in and you give them a ball for a couple plays and all of a sudden he's great and and what I have never understood from this staff uh, and and I, and I think this has been borne out now by the fact that they released Joseph Randall is that we're going to go with Joseph Randall no matter what and it, it seemed like they were just determined to do that even though I know his numbers looked pretty good last year but all you have to do is watch him run watch DeMarco Murray there's no similarity whatsoever between the two of them and the kind of running back you want Darren McFadden much more closely resembled DeMarco Murray's style and and why you wouldn't think that would be more effective. And then as you brought up about the fact that they made that terrible misjudgment on the backup quarterback. These are things to me that are really indictments of Jason Garrett as a head coach's inability to identify our, our, your backup players and guys who are going to end up playing a very significant role on your team. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, a lot of people will point at wide receiver too and go, well, yeah, absolutely. you didn't have anything at wide receiver. Now, I would argue you're always going to have to give up financially at some point. And it was very clear, if you ever lost Dez, that this team was very thin at wide receiver. But they felt you could you could offset that by the other things you had in place, one of them being Lance Dunbar, who you also lost. But, you know, let, let's go beyond that. Uh, yeah, it, Randall, you know, there was a – 
there was a split in the building. First of all, let me say, from a physical standpoint, everyone felt that Joseph Randall could be the lead back by committee. Now, not to the level that, that DeMarco Murray was last year, but could be the lead back and, and get you know two possessions to every one for Darren McFadden or however they were going to work it. From a physical standpoint, no one had a question about that. But there were people in the building who were saying, well, look, can he handle this position mentally, temperamentally, from the, from the mental edge needed to be the lead guy down in and down out and get all those difficult third and ones, third and twos? Do you really think he can withstand and hold up to that sort of scrutiny over the course of the season? We can't go in just with him. So that, that was the question, and that was certainly borne out. I, I, um, but McFadden, uh, you know, McFadden, there's big, big, big questions about his, his injury history, and, and rightfully so. And while clearly this team is better with Darren McFadden running the football, I will still raise the question, what happens if Darren McFadden goes down with an injury, which is highly likely when you look at the course of his career, who here are you going, is going to run the ball? See, Mike. We, we ha- <laughs> yeah, they've shown a lot of confidence in him. Uh, we have to get. We're wrapping up. I have to ask you the question. As you might have noticed, Evan Grant is not here today. He's. Or... I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but there was something. I, this, this show flowed a little bit. Better it was much less happened. annoying, wasn't but, it? But, but Evan, but Ev- Evan is Evan is already in Florida. He's at the baseball general managers meeting. You're going to Florida. I know Evan would ask this question. Where are you going to eat Saturday night in Tampa? Well, Tampa didn't have a lot of fine dining options, oh. but they're they're. Uh, you got to eat seafood. There are a few places. Of course, I'm going to eat seafood. Yes, there's actually an, an Italian restaurant out there that is uh, does some outstanding seafood. I believe I will drop by there on my trip to Tampa Bay. And I believe it will be reflected in my expenses. <laughs> David, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. I'm Barry Horn. I'm Kevin Sherrington. And that's upon further review. <laughs>